Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have a very special guest on, Allie Collins, who's currently heads up marketing for Sontine. And I'll let Allie tell you just a little bit about that because it's some of the stories of things that she's doing right now that are really relevant to us. But when Allie and I first got together, she lit up over the topic of thought leadership. And she wants to talk about the subject matter of how do we connect thought leadership to the actual product, right? To the services, to what we actually sell. And Allie's got a really good background in RevOps too and data-driven so that everything you're doing, thought leadership content all the way down is always tied to performance. So Allie, hopefully I... I gave a good introduction there, but if there's anything else you want to tell us about kind of your point of view or your background before we dig in here, that would be great. Sure thing. So um, I um, have been in B2B SaaS marketing since uh, before we even had that word for it, I think. Um, so I got my start back in 2007 at a tech startup right out of college, and I sort of accidentally found my way into marketing and um, have been doing it ever since. So um, I started my career, um, spent the, the bulk of my early career at Smart Vault, which is um, online document management and client portals for accountants. Um, I was there for 11 years. Um, and as you mentioned, um, I uh, specialized in rev ops there. So um, definitely that informed a big part of my um, data-driven mindset when it comes to marketing and, and content marketing in particular. Um, and then from there, I was at GoCo, which is um, an HR tech platform for small businesses. And, um, you know, there I really got to flex my muscle around using thought leadership um, as part of a, of a marketing strategy. Um, and today I am, like you said, at Sonteam, which is um, cash management, all-in-one cash management. So AP, AR, cash flow forecasting, um, also for small businesses. We're targeting um, CFOs and small to mid-sized uh, companies. And yeah, that brings me here today. I'm excited to talk about all the ways that thought leadership um, plays such an important role in the marketing funnel and how to connect that to product and then ultimately to, like you said, to performance. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, good. Let's let's jump right in then. Here's the big question, right? How does thought leadership connect to product? But before that, what's just your point of view on why is thought leadership so important? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, the key point of thought leadership, right, is that nobody wants to be pitched to. Nobody wants to hear a sales pitch. Nobody wants to start by solving problems that they don't even know that they have or being introduced to solutions before they really fully understand um, if they even have a problem or what, um, you know, what the issue is to be resolved in the first place. So um, I forgot, to, I meant to look up uh, who to credit for this quote, but, um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it recently as something that I heard that, um, you know, you know, for marketers in, in a modern marketing environment, um, instead of being the commercial, it's our job to be the show. Right. So um, if you were to compare it to like actually watching TV, right, I want to be succession. I don't want to be the commercial that advertises on succession anymore. So marketing, modern B2B marketing is all about, you know, putting out really great thought leadership content that um, your users can relate to, that the market that you're targeting um, can, can really understand and wants to be part of a conversation that involves someone who represents 
them, right? Nobody wants to hear from somebody whose title is salesperson, marketing person, CEO. Um, if I am a, uh, for example, you know, at Santeam, we target CFOs. Um, if I'm a CFO, well, who do I want to hear from? I want to hear from other CFOs who are experiencing some of the same challenges. I want to be part of a conversation that's being had where I feel like my viewpoint is being represented and I'm able to learn from people who've been through some of the same experiences. So thought leadership to me is all about um, connecting the dots for your audience from, you know, somebody who really understands for creating those conversations, connecting the dots to, um, you know, problems that they might have out there um, and ultimately being that show, right? Being the, the, the really great content that people actually want, not the commercial that sits in between. So such a vivid and visual analogy, right? To be the show, not the commercial. Commercials where you get up and you go to the bathroom, exactly. <laughs> or you mute exactly. it, and you start talking, right? So um, in our previous conversations, you also said that nobody, none of these buyers are going out and they're not seeking products. They're not looking for products. They're looking for solutions, Right. And sure. solutions are offered up by people that have some credibility to provide that solution. Right. So uh, just love that overall. But you also had a really good description of what is thought leadership in a, an example form and how you tied it directly to the products that you're currently representing at Santine. And, and I just loved this story. So if you could get into that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So um, so incidentally, um, I started at Team the Monday after Silicon Valley Bank failed. Um, this was last March. So I'm, I'm relatively new in my role here at Santeam. Um, And this is, I'm new, also new to marketing to CFOs. This, this is the first time that I've been um, directly uh, in a, a company that targets finance professionals. So um, I entered this role at a time of complete like chaos for CFOs inside of mid-sized businesses, right? Um, everyone's hearing that banks are failing, um, particularly SaaS companies were um, experiencing the pain of Silicon Valley bank failing. They're, they literally were in a moment of panic, not knowing whether their deposits were secure, whether they were going to be able to make payroll, right? Um, and so at Team, like I said, we, we offer um, cash management solutions. Um, and, you know, when, when SVB happened, you know, the first thought that we had here is this is going to be top of mind for CFOs. This is going to be the thing dominating their new, it's dominating the news cycle for everyone, but especially for CFOs, right? Um, so how can we tap into that anxiety that they're feeling not to, you know, not to tap into it and make it worse, but be part of the conversation, give the, give a voice to the conversation and represent that for CFOs. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about working for tech startups is, you know, having the opportunity to be really agile, react to whatever is going on in the market and create content around it really quickly. You know, I don't have a massive legal compliance review process that I have to go through in order to put a webinar together. Um, so I said, you know, why don't we get together a panel of subject matter experts, financial um, CF, other CFOs basically put together a panel and have a discussion about, you know, what is the real risk of bank failure here? What would, what is the fall? What happened at SVB? What's going to be the fallout of that? And what should CFOs be doing to um, mitigate that risk? 
So um, we assembled this panel um, and we had this, an incredible uh, turnout. We, um, you know, we're a very new market marketing organization. I'm uh, one of the first marketing hires here. Um, and we were able to get, you know, over 600 people to come be part of that conversation and listen to the, our panel to, you know, talk about what the challenges were and what um, what to do about it. So um, I think I mentioned to you that, um, you know, one thing that I really recommend and that, that we saw be really successful in this particular webinar is not just having people who represent your viewpoint, which is that bank failure for us, the, the, the viewpoint was that bank failure is definitely a risk that um, that CFOs should put controls around and they should be looking to diversify their cash. Um, and we have solutions to help them solve that. Um, but we also introduced a panelist who had sort of an opposing viewpoint of, you know, bank failures don't happen that often. You don't really have to worry about it. It's not something that's that's hugely important to me. Um, so I'm just sort of hedging and assuming that, that we can solve this problem ourselves. So I think that in, in order to create really authentic conversations, um, you should have all different viewpoints points represented. So that was one of the things that made this particular conversation really successful is that we had a CFO who was basically saying, not a big deal to me, right? And it, it created some room for like really creating, building trust with the audience and showing them, look, we're not here to pitch you on a product. We're here to open up the doors to a, a really fun conversation that, that um, you know, that you can take out of it what, what you want. And so, um, so yeah, so, so we had that webinar, um, it was hugely successful. We got really, um, really strong um, responses in our sur surveys. Everybody thought it was a, a great um, session. They especially enjoyed the banter and the back and forth of opposing viewpoints. So that was great. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think everybody was going, well, um, you know, how do we tie this back to um, what, we're selling in terms of Santim's product, right? So it's really important if you can get a conversation going and tie it back to what current what's happening in the market and current events, that's great. That's really um, a powerful way to get a conversation going. But I think the topic that you and I are here to talk about today is how do you take that thought leadership and how do you connect the dots to the product that you're offering? And in this situation, we actually, you know, started working on building a product that solved this solution. We actually, you know, from the ground up started uh, working with the CEO to say, how do we build a product that solves this? We are feeling the heat of this pain in the market. The thought leaders are telling us that it's a concern and the audience is telling us that it's a concern. So we then went and did some market research. We did a, a massive survey and found that, yes, this is a major pain point for CFOs. Executive leadership is worried about it. So we need to create products to support this. Um, and so right now we're, we're getting ready to launch a banking product that specifically is designed to help businesses diversify their cash um, and really tie that back to, you know, you've had this anxiety ever since SVB happened, we have a product that is built to solve that. So in this particular case, it was really all about saying, you know, let's start the conversation and see where it takes us. And then we can build product to support that down the line. And that's exactly what we're doing. So. So A, you did the show, you weren't the commercial, right? Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately you were the show and two points to make out of this. One is that the macro thought leadership theme or you know subject matter that you're talking about 
it's almost always very easy to tie it back to products that you that you're creating because your products are a part of at least a part of the overall solution right in your industry so the idea of connecting thought leadership to product isn't a difficult thing right it's just something that's part of the mental you know orchestration that you've got to go through when you're putting this all together now, one of the other things that you said in our previous conversations was that you had done research and you know that, you know, CFOs are open to switching out their, you know, their software um, every two years. So that you know that if you have thought leadership cadence and you're putting SON team out there as industry experts, that it will pay dividends when it comes time that they're looking and they're researching, right? Or, or you trigger that research. So there is thought leadership that ties to product long-term, but also short-term, right? Because those were existing anxieties. But I imagine those 600 people on that webinar were thinking right now, what do I need to be doing? That's right. And at the same time that I'm sure your salespeople, you took that webinar and you sliced it up and you put it on social and your sales team was able to extend it out and extend conversations that are happening today, right? Okay. So this isn't necessarily, or would you agree, thought leadership isn't this lofty, long-term only, if we had the resources to do it and get it done, that would be nice, does it right. fall into that bucket or does it fall into the, it has immediate short-term and long-term impact? I think it's both, right? So you have to be part of the conversation at every step of the funnel, right? So as a marketer, we always need to be thinking about creating content that serves people who are in a buying cycle and who, who we can generate demand with now and we need to be thinking about the long term of educating people around problems they may not even know that they have or having conversations around things that may be a little bit more detached from our product but we want to be part of the conversation because our goal as marketers is to build trust with our target market and become a trusted resource that they can rely on for information. That's something that we did really well at GoCo. Um, uh, again, GoCo is uh, HR tech. Um, and at the beginning of COVID, um, literally that uh, second week of March when everybody realized oh, we're going to have to go remote here. Um, you know, we, did, again, leveraged the fact that we were an agile small marketing team. And we said, well, why don't we do a webinar and how to suddenly go remote during COVID, right? Like nobody else is going to be able to produce that content really quickly, right? Um, but so we can do that. We can get first mover advantage by creating and all we have to do is go out to a panel, have a quick discuss, have a discussion. Um, we got thousands of people registered for that webinar. People, um, we didn't really at that time even know how our software was directly tied to what was about to happen as a result of COVID. Um, we were just having a believe that we should have the conversation because we knew that that our target market was looking for someone that they could trust for advice. And we said, well, let's be that. Let's be the, the, the trusted advisor here. And guess what happened? Three months later, everyone all of a sudden was realizing that, oh, I guess we're gonna be remote for a while. I need a remote employee onboarding solution for the long haul. And all of a sudden, those people who came to our webinar just three months prior were in-market buyers for remote employee onboarding software. And they knew us as a trusted brand who was putting out content 
quickly and responding rapidly to changes in the market. And um, so the, the tie-in to our product, it only took three months to do that education around positioning ourselves as experts, um, thought leaders on this on these topics, and then to connect the dots to, oh, and by the way, you know, you really should be solving these problems because now all of a sudden we're remote. So I think it's about, you know, like if you, so yes, to your point, it's important to think about thought leadership as a, a, a demand gen play that can have, you know, short-term um, lead gen opportunities, but it's also important, I think, to always be thinking about how can you just position yourself as a trusted advisor to your target market, and when they're ready to buy, be ready with that, the type of content that will get them there, and constantly be nurturing them with that, so... And that's, you know, your sales department, they're constantly, whether they're reaching out to, to buyers that may not be completely in the market right now, your SDRs, your BDRs, right? Or your sales team that's, because the B2B cycle can be very, very long. So we're trying to keep things moving and this is the perfect kind of fodder, right? This is the perfect kind of content to be sharing in snippets and, and establishing all along the way, you know, when you're on the phone, you're sharing a social, you know, post when you're sending out an email sequence. All of these are things that keep conversations alive. What doesn't keep conversations alive is a commercial, <laughs> right? But bits and pieces of the show help keep the conversation alive. And that's what you and I talked about. I love it. It's a, a, a quote from Forbes where it's a content marketing solves problems, thought leadership sparks conversations, right? And so we always are trying to spark conversations. Every day of the year, we are trying to spark conversations with people. But one other area that we talked about just right before we hit the, the record button was that the impact on the actual perceived value and actual value of the product itself because of thought leadership. Could you tell us just a little bit about your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think it ties very closely into um, you know what I was saying about uh, positioning your brand as a trusted advisor. Um, if you can demonstrate that you are credible when it comes to topics that your audience cares about, you've already got a leg up when it when you start talking about solutions and products that you have established that credibility, you've established that trust, you've established your expertise around these areas. And you know, ideally, you know, I think, um, I, you know, one of the key parts of this is, is getting buy-in with the rest of your company, um, specifically the sales team, to help them understand why they need to be subject matter experts on these areas and why they need to understand how important thought leadership content is so that in every interaction, they, they are demonstrating themselves as subject matter experts on these topics and the conversations that they have feel more like the show than the commercial, right? Even when, the, even if they are talking about specific product solutions, that it feels like you're having a discussion around solving problems, not a discussion around, you know, buy my software, right? So I think it's really important that that, that culture of being thought leaders, um, you know, that, it, that there's it's disseminated across the business that by osmosis, we're all thinking of ourselves as experts in these, um, in the topics that our clients care about. And it just, it makes perfect sense, right? We're going to buy from people we trust. We're going to buy from people we think know 
more about what we need than even we do. Here's a, uh, an analogy. We recently uh, bought a German Shepherd puppy, right? And there was a number of places that we could have gone. And I should show you the picture. Very, very cute. But the place that we en ended up was more expensive than others. But every single time we talked to the breeder, she knew so much about the history of the breed. She imported her puppies from Europe and why, and that's where the breed emanated. She was part of the National Association, right? She knew everything. And so, so she built trust. So therefore we thought she's going to know how to get source and have the best puppies, right? And so it just put us at ease. The risk of buying a dog that wasn't bred properly, like they have hip dysplasia and all kinds of different things. Like it reduced the risk for our buy, right? And we ended up paying more for a dog through her because she was an expert and she could talk the talk and walk the walk. So that's what we're talking about here, right? In the, in the end. So Absolutely. what I want to do is I want to transition a little bit to thought leadership is content. And content is what we do as marketers, right? It's the fuel, it's the oxygen, whatever, for all demand gen requires content. So I'm just going to ask you a question straight out and I'm going to have you put a specific number against this. If you had to, on a scale of one to 10, say how important is content, not to marketing, to the overall growth and success of the business, one, not important at all. 10, it's vital. Content is vital to the success of the business. Where would you put it on that scale? Yeah, I mean, at the very top, right? There is nothing, there's no single word that encapsulates all the things that you need to be doing to educate your buyer at every stage of the funnel, educate your customers, even once they are customers for retention. There's no single um, word that better describes what you need to arm your marketing team, your sales team, your client success team, your product team, everyone needs to be bought in on content. There's no, you know, when it comes to my marketing budget in particular, you know, there's no, there's no area that I'm investing more than content. Um, it's everything. It fuels everything that you do. Um, it, it's what, it's what guides those conversations. It's, it's, yeah, it's the fuel that drives everything. And when you say you put most of your money behind it, you told me yesterday, what's the makeup in terms of your team and the emphasis on content? Yeah, so I have a very brand new team. Um, we've all just started since March. So uh, the majority of us are, you know, less than six months in here. Um, but the the team that reports to me, I have uh, I have four people and three of them are content marketers. So um, that's 75% of my headcount is dedicated to content and of the actual spend that they, you know, outside of headcount, 75% um, of that budget is going towards content creation by, you know, working with um, people to help uh, subject matter experts, influencers, and copywriters to help us create really powerful content. Well, good. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a right turn because you introduce yourself as somebody that had a, a background in RevOps, right? And in data and making data-driven decisions and how that impacts the ability to be successful throughout the company. And tell us a little bit about your experience there and this idea of RevOps and kind of data-driven insights and decision-making. 
Yeah. So I think marketers that get thought leadership wrong, um, there's two two ways that, that marketers get thought leadership wrong. A, they're not, it's not really thought leadership. They're not really going to experts. They're just trying to turn a sales pitch. They're trying to turn a commercial into a show instead of creating a show and letting it be a commercial, right? So that's one way that they fail. The other way is not being data-driven and not getting buy-in, not being part of the overall um, you know, analysis systems and process that goes into making thought leadership successful. Um, so to me, RevOp being a, a, a strong CMO is all of like, you really need to upskill in the area of RevOps. You really need to get deep in understanding the data, understanding how your thought leadership content um, is influencing your marketing funnel and you need to report on that data constantly and you need to be a really good salesperson to the rest of your leadership team and particularly to sales as to what influence that content is having on your, your buying cycle. So if you um, create a bunch of thought leadership and you drive a bunch of eyeballs to it and you never demonstrate you never connect the dots for the other leaders in your company, for your board, for your sales team, as to how that thought leadership is impacting that funnel. All the data points in which, you know, we we have tons of data on how that content influences the buying cycle, how you're, you know, at GoCo, for example, our biggest clients inevitably, the, the highest ARR, highest ACV clients that we would bring in, inevitably came from thought leadership content. And if I didn't have that data point to share with my team, how am I going to get buy-in to continue to fuel the create this content creation, right? So it's all about being able to really attribute to that content, being able, being really good at looking at the data, knowing what content works, um, and knowing the impact that it has on your ultimate you know, revenue. So if you miss that piece, that's, that's as bad as failing at creating good thought leadership in the first place. Because if your sales team doesn't believe in it, if your CEO doesn't believe in it, it's not going to be a successful program. So I imagine that not only helps along the way, but that helps in the buy-in because you're going to say, okay, here's our game plan. Here's the content we're going to be creating. Here's why. Here's how we're tracking it. Here's how we're going to be showing performance. Here's how we're going to judge how we're doing, Right. That's right. Because I think you have to be really, really clear with your sales team about what the purpose of each content piece is, right? When I create a really top of funnel piece of content, I need it to be really clear to my sales team that I know that that's not going to drive, you know, sales ready leads. I know that that thought leadership content is going to be something that's going to attract attention, get a conversation started, and that I'm going to need to nurture that into a sales ready lead, right? But you, in order to get that buy-in for creating the content in the first place, you need to demonstrate that you know that you know what your goals are for each piece, what to expect from it, and what it's ultimately going to drive for you, and then be accountable to that. Um, that's how you get your sales leaders to believe that you know this is a good use of your time and have confidence that the, that ultimately the leads that you give them are going to be sales ready and the ones that they want. And what are the what are the benchmarks, the KPIs, the data that you think is the most important? So like we all talk about, you know. We have our dashboards and it's, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of data, but like, what are the top two or three, you know, reporting points or benchmarks that you're reporting on constantly that you've determined, this is how I want you to judge what we're doing here. When you're talking to your CEO or you're talking to, you know, your CRO. 
Yeah. I mean, I, there's so many, right? But I think the keys are conversion, the convert every conversion point through the funnel, right? So being able to show that at each stage for each piece of content that I'm creating, it it it's mapped to a place on the funnel. So whether that's at the very tippy top of the funnel where I'm just trying to attract eyeballs, that's the data point that I'm looking at for that type of content. At the next level, I'm trying to say, okay. So great, I brought in eyeballs. Now I need to convert those eyeballs into knowns, right? Emails, addresses that I can nurture or um, retarget in some way. I need to know the conversion rate at that step. And then from there, you know, conversion to actual sales already, MQL, SQL, whatever you want to call it. Um, we all have different definitions for these things, but it's obsessively monitoring those conversion rates and comparing, you know, each piece of content with while keeping in mind what the goal of that content was originally what where in the funnel it was supposed to sit in the first place and you know we uh, we did a podcast about a month ago on called the power of one percent and it talked exactly about what you're talking about here those conversion rates and the percentage thing that that things happen so like at the top of the funnel you know, even looking at like a 1% increase in, say, click-through rates, right, on your email campaigns or your ad campaigns. And if you can get just a 1% a increase, what that does to the rest of the funnel, right, and looking at those conversions, those numbers all the way through, uh, it has a tremendous impact. So how does that help for internal buy-in and there's always this, you know, conversation about marketing and sales and sales enablement and, you know, really working together as a team versus isolated teams that just have a baton, you know, handoff. What does this data mean to that internal relationship and then overall success? It's everything, right? So, um, you know, we as marketers need to constantly be processing data for, that we get as feedback from the sales team in terms of when we pass over um, a lead, we need to constantly be obsessing over, well, what's happening with that lead? Where does it go in the funnel? What's the feedback from the sales team? What data can I find on, you know, the conversion rates once I've handed it to sales? That's really important. And we need to use that to drive our future decision-making in terms of, you know, what marketing programs to continue running, which content to continue creating versus what uh, we eliminate. But I think, um, you know, the most the key thing when it comes to sales and marketing alignment on these topics is really putting a lot of the power in the hands of the sales leadership to define what it is that they want from marketing in terms of, for example, when it comes to lead scoring, I always tell my sales leaders, you tell me what, what the score is for a content piece that looks like this. You tell me what it is that you want to get out of this. I can tell you, you know, I, I'm, I created this piece of content mostly just to attract eyeballs. I didn't create this content piece thinking that it would turn into sales ready leads. So you tell me, is that a score of one or is that a score of 10? It's up to you, right? But giving that power to the sales leader, giving them um, a voice in what happens with the leads once we generate them from content is so critical, right? And getting their buy-in, getting them to believe that, you know, what we're creating is aligned to what they're trying to do and not trying to say like, just because we generated 
a name just because we got somebody's email address or phone number, that that's automatically a sales ready lead. We have to be very careful about acknowledging that there's different levels of different temperatures of leads and letting them really define what the temperature is that's right for them. Um, I think that's a really important feedback loop. Well, I, I have to tell you, I think we could go on for a long time here, but I do want to ask you to kind of sum this up for us, right? So the, you know, the title of this was how to connect thought leadership to product. And now you've actually just helped us connect from kind of a RevOps perspective, the data to show the performance and how you track and how you, you target content at all levels. But if there was one thing that you wanted to kind of summarize this with and leave us with, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think the the big takeaway is that for that thought leadership is critical, but it's also really critical to think about where in the funnel your thought leadership content sits um, and be really smart and be really data driven in terms of how you use that thought leadership content. So being aware that some thought leadership content is going to be very top of funnel and it's not going to have a linear clear path directly to your product and your sales team, right? It's okay to create that type of content, but you need to be really clear about what that's for and what you're trying to do with that content. Um, you know, it, it's also okay to create things that feel a little bit more like a commercial than a show because you need to do that for your sales team too. You need to be ready to give sales or already leads, things like that, but be really clear at every stage what the purpose of the thought leadership is that you're doing um, and be really honest about where that sits in your funnel. So I think that's that's really critical because um, like I said, you know, I did I started out an SVB webinar as, as a, a way to attract eyeballs. It just so happened that we were able ultimately to connect that to our product down the line. But we, you know, but we were honest at the outset when we were creating that, that this was something where we're really just trying to tap into a conversation that our audience is having. Um, and and how important that is. So, so yeah. And there's a you know there's a there's a balance between because I love the commercial versus the show analogy, but there's absolutely a time for commercial, right? I mean, we're selling. You know, everything that we do in marketing is has to be attributed to revenue, has to be attributed to sales, and so it has to everything. But what I think what you've done here brilliantly is say, no matter what level of content that you're creating it can and will and should be accountable, attributable, trackable all the way through directly to revenue. So nothing that you've talked about here is a wannabe, nice to be, right? It's all because you have a mind on the end goal, which is revenue for the company. Is That's that a exactly. good way? Okay, great. Well, if at least somebody listening here wanted to get a hold of you, I. Uh, would LinkedIn be a great way to do that? We could put links in in all the content that comes out here. Absolutely. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to um, get a conversation going. So yeah, Allie Collins on LinkedIn, put me in there. Love to connect with you. It's perfect. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. It was wonderful. Thanks for having me.